Wouldn't it be great if you could earn the CEUs you need by listening to a podcast? Well, now you can. We have partnered with speechpathology.com to offer CEUs on select autism outreach podcasts like this one. Just head over to speechpathology.com and sign up to enjoy unlimited access for a full year for $99. That's unlimited 24-7 access to hundreds of online courses offered for ASHA CEUs, including live webinars, on-demand videos, audio, and text courses, plus select autism outreach podcasts for just $99 a year. Finally, earning CEUs is as easy and stress-free as listening to your favorite podcast. Just visit speechpathology.com and use promo code AUTISM at checkout. That's speechpathology.com, promo code AUTISM to get started today. Welcome to episode 35 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. I am your host, Rose Griffin, and I'm very excited today to talk to you all about play and social skills for younger students who have autism and other complex communication needs. With us going back, a lot of us, to face-to-face instruction for the first time after the pandemic, This is going to be a show that you don't want to miss. I am going to talk to you about how we can incorporate play, how we can incorporate leisure skills, and at times modify those leisure skills so our autistic students are getting great communication practice across their day, either individually or more importantly, with other students. That's going to be key is with other students. This idea of cooperative leisure skills with other students. I'm going to talk to you about how do we facilitate those interactions. It's going to be an amazing episode and I'm so excited to get right into it. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Talking about leisure skills and play for younger students is one of my very favorite topics. I'm so excited to be talking with you today all about leisure skills. I started talking about play and leisure skills with my students probably when I started ABA Speech about four years ago because I was working with so many students who are really struggling during those unstructured times. They were really struggling during center time. They were really struggling during recess time. They were really struggling when I would come in to do group therapy and I was working on my students talking with each other. And that was really, really difficult. And not even just talking with each other, but being in each other's space and spending time with each other and doing cooperative tasks. That is something that my students really, really struggled with. And so I just started naturally over the past 20 years, started making modifications so that when my students were playing a game or my students were engaging in activity with others, that they would feel very successful doing that. 
And so from that, I've started talking all about leisure skills. I can't wait to share this with you today. It's definitely one of my very favorite topics. I have some courses about this and do a lot of presenting on this topic. So it's cool to be able to share it. Um, the one thing is that oftentimes our students don't independently engage it with their peers during these unstructured times. So during recess, I have a lot of students who would just pace kind of around the playground area and maybe go from teacher to teacher and talk to the teachers because they felt more comfortable that way. Or they would get out to recess and they really didn't know how to interact with the other students and they really struggled during that time. Something that we have here in Ohio often um, during the winter months is indoor recess. And so that may be usually getting out some type of game and playing it with students in your class. And my students really struggled with that type of interaction because they oftentimes couldn't play the games the way that the other kids were playing them. And so they really, really struggled. And so over the years, I've just kind of modified these. And I can't wait to share these ideas with you. Simple little tweaks that we can do. And one of the stories that always kind of brings it home that this is important for our students, if our students are having trouble interacting with peers, I had a student who I was seeing in an outpatient practice. And I was actually his school-based therapist. He went to a non-public program. And I was his school-based therapist. And I also saw him for outpatient therapy as well. So we got to be fast friends and we were spending a lot of time together and I would talk with his mom about how we were working on playing modified connect Four. And so what we would do is he would choose the color he wanted and he would put in a piece and I would put in a piece and he would put in a piece and I would put in a piece. And that's how we modified it. There was no strategy of trying to get four in a row. That was too difficult for my student. But he really enjoyed the back and forth. He really enjoyed that shared activity together. And it was really, really fun. And so I was telling his mom, hey, you know, we've been playing Modified Connect Four. It's been really, really fun. And telling her exactly how we've been playing. I think maybe even she came and watched us play at the one time. And what happened was after a holiday break, the student was celebrating Christmas. And the mom came back and said, you know what? I bought Connect Four for so-and-so. And he played with his sister. And they never really engaged like that together. And it was such a cool moment for that family. They could do family game night. He could play it when his grandma came over. And it really had a ripple effect. So this one game that we had modified in therapy to work on shared activity, to work on that therapeutic relationship of I take a turn, you take a turn, I take a turn you take a turn, had turned into something so amazing. It turned into a family moment. It turned into family memories. And that really made me realize how important these small modifications are and how important it is to include these types of tasks in therapy. Because play is so fun. And I always, you know, really struggle when my kids are having difficulty engaging with others, I want to analyze why. Why are they having that trouble? And what can I do to help them feel comfortable engaging with their peers too? And so we're going to talk about these very specific games. And why I love talking about this topic so much is that you can take home these ideas that I'm sharing and you can use them 
in your next therapy session. Or if you're listening and you're a parent, you can use them the next time that you're with your own child. Sometimes we don't always include these things in therapy because maybe the assessment that we gave doesn't follow that. And we may not be able to see these things if we don't have time to do an observation or we don't observe the right thing. We may not see these things. So one of the um, assessment tools that I really like to use is either the functional communication profile, which gives us great information, or I also use another assessment called the VBMAP. And so these give us really great information about how is our child when they're communicating with others. Um, If you don't have access to those, something that is an absolute gold standard to include in an assessment is an observation. An observation is going to give us such great information. We can observe the student during a playtime, during morning circle, during an unstructured Centers isn't unstructured, but it is a playtime. And so these are just typical things that happen in a preschool age room, but it is really great. Or if you just have a younger student, you know, are they at the playground? Are they playing with others? How are they in the home environments when they do a play date? When they go to story time at the library, it's good to get this information because it really allows us to see how is the child when they're communicating with others in these shared group activities. Such great information and such important information for our children because no matter where our children go to school or where we're seeing them, if we're speech therapists, we know that they're going to be around others. And being around others and being able to engage in social and play activities is going to be a time of joy. And it's going to be a time where they can really learn other communication skills and how to apply those skills too in group settings. I really love seeing my students, I've always loved this, probably for the past 20 years I've been in the field, one of my most favorite things to do is group therapy. I really love seeing students in a group. And I always say, you know, my whole goal is to work myself out of, you know, that I'm not even there, right? I want to take myself out of the equation. I want the kids to be hanging out. I want the kids to be doing um, yoga or whatever it is that we're doing together and enjoying each other's company and socializing. And that's really my whole goal. So when I go to plan my group speech therapy sessions, which I'm I'm excited to start doing again here soon, you know, I'm always analyzing how can I work on my students communicating together? How can I work on my students enjoying a cooperative activity together? Um, And I definitely work with students who have trouble, just have trouble coming to group. They have trouble being a part of the group. And over time, where we're working on these modified leisure and play activities, they really love group time. They love participating. They love being a part of the group. And it's just amazing to see that type of growth in my students. The thing I would share with you is don't feel like you have to plan a different group activity every single time you see students. A lot of things we're going to talk about, you can do an individual therapy, but you can also do in small group therapy as well, or you can do these things at home. And family involvement is so very important, making sure parents understand what you're working on, making sure that they understand how you're working on different things. That was one of the nice things about telehealth when I was providing more of that during the pandemic is that parents were there. 
or grandma and grandpa were there. And so there was a lot more family involvement. And so parents could see, oh, you guys are doing yoga. That's how you do that. Oh, you guys are playing modified Simon Says. That's what that looks like. Okay, we can definitely do this at home when the child is not in therapy. And those are really cool aha moments for the parents to see exactly what therapy looks like. So family involvement is great. And the thing that I was saying is you don't have to choose a different activity every week. Let's say that you're a therapist, a school-based therapist, and you're planning group and you go in once a week and you're doing a social skills type of group or a play-based group. Don't think that you have to do a different activity every time because really the students need that repetition to learn the skills, to participate in the group. And so it's really important for us to embed practice for them across their day when we're there to provide that instruction for them as well. And so we obviously will give our assessment. If we do an observation, we'll see that our students are really struggling with these different skills. And then we know that we need to target these things in therapy. Because my goal for all of my clients and all of the students that I work with is that they are going to communicate independently um, with others in their environment, and they're going to get a lot of practice across their school day. And so that's why it's so important to have all the team members involved. Um, That's why I love going into the classroom to do therapy, especially group therapy, is that I'm there and I may have paraprofessionals that are helping. Or when I was working in a non-public program, I would have you know, registered behavioral technicians, they're helping prompting when needed and things of that nature. And so it was really nice because I was able to model, Hey, this is how we work on these different skills. And this is what you can do when the child is not in therapy. These are ways that you can work on these things as well. And when you're working with students together in a group, there's so many different things that you can work on. You can work on greetings with peers. You can work on engaging in the group activities for a set duration of time. You can work on your student being able to engage in a variety of tasks. Um, Some students get very rigid in what they really love and enjoy. And so just kind of expanding on their leisure or, or play repertoire is going to be important. Other goals might be joining other children in play, sustained social play with a group. So if you have a student who maybe is hesitant to join a group to play, you know, increasing that duration that they are playing with friends, it's going to be really great for our students. And so it depends on your student's language level, but these are applicable for students who are not yet communicating verbally all the way up for students who who are conversational. And so that idea of just being together, enjoying a group activity is going to be really, really important for our students. I love to plan these groups for my students. I definitely go in. I make sure that I'm capturing data during this time. That can definitely be something that can be kind of tricky. And you know what? I'll put in the show notes. I have a data sheet that I use for small group sessions. And I love this data sheet because at the top, it says activities. So it's like, what activities did you do on that day? What was the date of the activities? And then it has areas for different students and what skill they're working on. And then I just circle a plus or minus because most of the time in group, when we're doing these group sessions together and we're working on leisure skills, the student may only get one opportunity to do something. They're not going to get repetitive practice during this group setting because it just kind of has a different type 
of flow. And so how I like to set up my groups for my students is we would do some type of general greetings or a conversation. We would do some type of literacy-based activity, maybe then an extension or vocabulary activity. And then what we're going to talk about today, I always end my therapy groups with some type of play or leisure skill. So the first one I want to talk about is musical chairs. I love, love, love musical chairs. Musical chairs is super fun, but I modify it because musical chairs, as you're supposed to play it, is actually kind of a mean game. You know, you play the music and then we take a chair away. So there ends up being a student who doesn't have a chair, which I always thought was just kind of awful anyway, right? So the way that I modify musical chairs is we never, ever take a chair away. So what we do is we put a circle of chairs and we can do this all through social distancing, right? So the chairs can kind of be spread apart. We, I tell the students, okay, when you hear the music, you're going to walk. And when the music stops, you sit down. And so what I do is we just play music, usually on somebody's cell phone or on the computer. And what's fun about this is we can play music that's popular in the moment. We can play music that's thematic. If you're allowed to talk about Halloween, last year we would do the Monster Mash, you know, whatever works for your particular environment. So we would tell the students, okay, remember when you hear the music, you're going to walk. And when the music stops, we sit down. And that's how we play modified musical chairs. Super fun. I've played this with many students who are preschool age. And what was really cool, one time I was working on this with students in a non-public program and I would come in and we did musical chairs for probably a month. It was nice because there were other staff members there and they watched me and I modeled for them how to do musical chairs that was modified. And one of the staff members came up to me and said, oh my gosh, we've been playing with particular student and they are doing so great. They've been asking to play. They love playing. They're doing such a great job with their friends. I love when other people tell me they've been working on communication outside of the speech therapy session. I always think that's such a joy to hear that people are doing that. So modified musical chairs. So if you're working with toddlers, if you're working with preschool age students, even some younger elementary students, this is a super fun game and one that is easy. All you need is your cell phone, which most of us have readily available nowadays, and we have chairs and that's it. And it's a very fun game that we can play with students. The another game that I love to work on for play and leisure is memory. Memory is a really popular matching game. But if you've ever received memory as a child, as your own gift, you know that you could play a memory and it could take you an hour. And it's not even an exaggeration. Memory has so many pieces and parts, but it's a readily available game that's very popular for younger students. And so how I modify memory is I get rid of most of the matches. I just start with a very select few amount of matches. So maybe we have five to 10 cards and that are matches. So I go through the game and I do go through and it takes a little bit of time at first, but I go through and I pick out the matches that are going to be matching cards. 
in essence, a matching game. What's nice about it too, is there's a lot of different characters. So you can get Disney memory, you can get different Paw Patrol memory, you can have classic memory, which is just really cute clip art pictures. And so what I do is I make sure I have some of the matches together and I put one part of the match in a pile turned down on the the table and the other cards I put face up so the kids can see the pictures. This is where it gets into the modification. We're not going to do as many pieces because who has an hour? Who has an hour to play a game? Okay. And what kid wants to play a game for an hour? And then I take part of the match and I put them face up on the table. So the student can see, they can see that picture of that flower. They can see that picture of the pizza. Then the other match I put face down in a pile. And so what we do is we take turns. We take turns. We pick the picture up and we look at the cards and we match. And that's how we play modified memory. I do have a YouTube channel called ABA Speech. And on this channel, I have some video models of some of the games that I'm talking about today and some of the activities. So modified memory is one of those activities that I do have a video model of. Video modeling, if you haven't heard of it, is a really cool evidence-based way to teach a variety of skills. And without getting too much into it, because we could have our own podcast episode all about video modeling, is that you watch a video of either yourself or someone else engaged in a task. You watch that and then you engage in that task yourself. And I have used video modeling to teach a variety of different play and social skills. And so these, some of these things I'm talking about today do have a video model right here on my YouTube channel. So make sure that you check that out if you haven't already. Love, love, love modified memory. And what's cool about that one is that is another one that you can absolutely tell parents about and parents would feel comfortable if they know how. You could share that video model with them as well from my YouTube channel, but they could also play that at home, which is really, really cool. I love things that generalize from the home to the school environment. So, so important. Love memory. All right. The next one I want to talk about is modified Simon Says. Love Simon Says. I I loved playing this game growing up. And the way that I modify it is that it's always Simon Says. What's so cool about Simon Says and a lot of these different things that we're talking about in this episode is that we're not only working on social skills, we're not only working on play skills, but we're also, the Simon Says, working on imitation skills. So Simon says, touch your head. Simon says, do a twist. Simon says, touch your nose. And it's really cool because the kids are orienting to me. I am Simon. I am the one giving the directions. Um, And they're doing it after me, right? So we're doing something cooperatively in a group. We're increasing their leisure skill and play repertoire. And we're also with this game, working on gross motor imitation, which is so cool. I had a student that I was doing Simon Says with in a small group in a non-public program I worked in before I got too busy with ABA speech. And the student was conversational. He was using, he was able to to talk some. And he said, you know, Miss Rose, I want to be the leader. And I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. Yeah, that's great. And so he would take his time and he would go up and he would 
call out the directions. Simon says windmill arms. Simon says do a twist. And it was really, really cool to see this student take that leadership role and to want to have that initiative to be the leader. I thought that was really, really neat. And it wasn't something that I ever planned. It wasn't part of that student's IEP. It wasn't something I had planned. It was just something that kind of organically came about. And it was amazing. It was so, so cool. With Modified Simon Said, I have another parent who actually shared with me, I was reporting, writing very specific progress reports like I always do about how I was playing Modified Simon Says with a different student in this kind of same group of students I was working with. And the parent told me, after they got the progress notes, they said, oh my gosh, we had a plane delay and we actually started to play modified Simon Says because I had just read your progress note, Rose. And so I was playing that in the airport and she had two sons who were autistic. And she said, you know what? It was amazing. It really took up time. They really loved it. And it was really, really fun to see how they were able to do that on their own. And I was felt so joyous when she told me that because anything that I can teach to help my students increase their communication skills, increase their play skills across environments, right? I always say what happens in the therapy room should not stay in the therapy room if you're seeing students in your therapy room. Um, And most students I really see in the school environment, I see in their home, because we know that team involvement, that parent involvement is so very important for our students. So if you haven't played Modified Simon Says, you need to. It's so fun. Another play slash group skill I love to work on is Go Noodle. If you've never heard of Go Noodle, it is a website. It is completely free. And there are amazing dances on there. There are a lot of brain breaks, dances. It is very, very fun. I do have a favorite group on there. Uh, Cuckoo Kangaroo is my very favorite. They have a song called Popsico. And it is just a blast. It's super fun. The kids love to get together. If you have a smart board, the students can actually go up and they can um, pick the video that they want to watch, which is really, really cool for students. And then the students, a lot of the videos have dances and a lot of the dances have motions. And so this is another time where we're not just working on increasing our leisure skill repertoire. We're working on cooperative group skills. We're working on doing these activities together. And it's very fun. We're also working on that imitation. Those imitation skills are really, really cool. So if you have not checked out Go Noodle, you have to. I will put this uh, Go Noodle link in the show notes because it is just the coolest website. And I'll tell you what, when we do Go Noodle and we're doing Popsico or whatever the song is, I'm doing the motions too. It's super fun. So are some of the parapros or the assistants that I'm working with the teacher. And we're just having a blast together. And that's what's really cool too, to see the students interacting together and having these fun moments. And a lot of students use GoNoodle. It's something that is readily available. It's free. And it's something that a lot of students, you know, all types of students, general education students, students with special needs are using. And so if you haven't heard about that website, it is really, really fun. Love that so much. Another game that I wanted to tell you about, another way to work on leisure skills, and this will be the last one that we talk about 
today in this episode, but this is called the grocery store game. Oh my goodness. This is a game that I started playing about 20 years ago when I started in the field. And it's one of those things, I don't know how I ever started working on it really. Um, It was just like one of those things that I started doing And then my students really loved it. And then I've just been doing it for 20 years. And it's super, super fun. I play this game in speech therapy group, but I also do this game um, with my own kids in the car. And so I call it the grocery store game. It's kind of just what I call it. And so what you do is you write down different letters of the alphabet. So I may not do the whole alphabet. That's a little much. So I might just write A through H. And so then depending on your students and their language level, um, I usually just write at the top of a dry erase board, I bought. And then we go around the circle. Um, if we're working a circle or sometimes, you know, um, with the pandemic, we've, I've just had the students socially distanced sitting in their classroom uh, desks, which has been a little more difficult for me, but that's okay, right? We have to remain flexible. And I would have the students say, okay, this student is going to think of something that begins with A. So I went to the store and I bought apples. The next student goes, I went to the store and I bought bananas. Okay. What's cool about this game is that, you know, if you have students who are using augmentative communication devices, they can readily communicate um, and engage with this game. If students are using pictures or sign language or verbalizations, everybody can participate. I think that's what's so cool about this game too. And so what I was finding is that my students, some of my students were having a hard time thinking of a, a word from the store that began with that letter of the alphabet when it was their turn. So something that I'm also going to put in the show notes is I created a PowerPoint. And on this PowerPoint, there is a visual picture, a real life picture. I love to use real pictures, a real life picture of items. So there's like an apple and a banana and a carrot and a donut and an egg. So that if you are playing this with your students, what I always do is I just bring this up on my iPad or my computer. Um, I do, I'm working in a really great district. So I do have access to a computer and iPad and I just pull this up and I have it readily available. So if the student who has D is having a hard time thinking of a word that begins with D, I just show the picture on my iPad. And that is going to allow me to help the student. And it's going to be a way to have them engage in this activity. And this is another really fun play-based slash modified leisure activity that's really fun to work on with my students. So I like to call it the grocery store game. But it's great for turn-taking, for word recall, for labeling, for those cooperative group skills. Oh, man, I could go on and on and on about social skills and play. And I really wanted to do this episode because no matter when you listen to this episode, it's going to be a great episode. But I wanted to talk about it now because so many of us have, with the pandemic, have been living in this world of telehealth, which we can reach so many kids with telehealth. But it's so important for us to think about how can we safely work on embedding opportunities for our our kids, our students 
to work on these cooperative group activities because so many of our students have not had this practice with playing with others, with these group skills where they're engaged in activities with their friends or their classmates. And so I wanted to give you fresh ideas and things that you can literally use tomorrow. So whether you're going to give modified memory a try, or you're going to try musical chairs, or you're going to do Simon Says, or you're going to get into a Go Noodle and do some dancing with your students. Super, super fun. You know, I like TikTok, which is dancing sometimes. Um, I do like that one. Um, or the grocery store game. I wanted to give you really actionable tips and strategies that you can use in your next therapy session. So make sure that you check out the show notes today um, for the resources that I discussed, because we're going to link up the video models for modified memory. We're going to link up the PowerPoint with all the visuals for the grocery store game. I want you to feel really comfortable and ready to help your students. I'm so excited that you tuned in for this episode all about modified play and leisure skills for younger students. I love, love, love this topic. I definitely have more ideas um, to share with you. Make sure that you um, go to my Instagram too, ABA Speech by Rose. I'm always sharing sneak peeks from my therapy room. And if you haven't done so already, make sure that you hit subscribe and write a review. I always read the reviews. I love, love, love hearing from you. And I can't wait until I see you next time. Remember, keep things fun and functional. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.